King Wave Fox Beard Locker's acting very weird Captain Pike Cisco's wife Klingons and the afterlife Boimler Tendy's dog Ransom is very hot Four Drive Black Alert Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher Bath left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kim Pack's hat, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We talk Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. This is episode 579 of Trek Talk, and so welcome for the ride. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to introduce to you my awesome truck experts. And we'll start out with Eric. He's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing great, Jim. I am extremely excited to be talking about Andorians because, as everybody knows, I'm a big Star Trek Enterprise fan, and we get an awful lot of Andorian representation uh, in that series. And so I'm very stoked to have our guest tonight. And uh, that just generally puts me in a good mood. Well, that and the box of wine next to me here. Well, you're even an Andorian on our artwork as well, so isn't that cool? I am. In fact, my Star Trek uh, role-playing game character is Chevek, who is an Andorian, and it was the first officer of the USS Carpathia. That's awesome. And we also have with us Paul, the toy guy. He's also in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Paul? I'm doing good, man. You know, it's a, uh, it's a fun fact, a little bit of show trivia, that most of us are here in Portland because of the Witness Protection Program. And uh, well, 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 you're not supposed to talk about that on the, the air. Fair, you know, we're, we're, we decided, didn't we, Eric, over that box wine the other night that we were just going to all come clean tonight and we we're just going to all just kind of, you know, confess our sins and uh, talk about all the, the nastiness in New Jersey that resulted right. in this all being migrated out here and that this yeah. whole cover story of like being Star Trek nerds is just a thing to kind of like, you know. Yeah. Fit in. I thought we had agreement, man. I thought we had no, like no? You might be right. You might be right. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, anyhow. It's, it's, yeah, it's what makes us part of that uh, political left there. What, whatever That's helps right. you fit into the zeitgeist, I'm okay yeah. with it. So it's just I'll, I'll play along, whatever you say. But uh, it's good to be here, regardless, man. And I'll, I'll I'm going to talk Andoria as much as the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we also have with us David, the donut guy. He's also from Portland. How you doing, David? Pretty good, pretty good. Also, speaking of confession, I seem to have lost my trouble. Well, he's off getting donuts. Okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to feed them after midnight, David, because then they multiply. Uh, and don't sweat either. Oh, wait, those that's are the other one, Jim. That's the other one, That's yeah. gremlin. That's not gremlin. Okay. <laughs> Whew, nightmare's over. Yeah, you're okay. And not from Portland, but from Las Vegas, we have Charles. I'm doing good, enjoying our wet weather, as the guys are like, oh, I'll send the Portland guys up down to Sin City. That'll fit in. Well, you yeah, know, Sin City's cold and empty. No rounds around to judge me. <laughs> Sorry, I got lyrics stuck in my head. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, boy. Well, you can always come up here to Vermont and you can freeze. You can always do that. You're all welcome mm-hmm. in Vermont all the time. All right, guys. So uh, we have a really great show planned for you, as you've been hearing us talk about Andorians. If you're a fan of Enterprise or you're a fan of Andorians, then this is the show for you. You want to let your fingers do the walking and call Trek talking. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And as soon as we get done with our fan shout-outs, we're going to have an Andorian himself right here to talk to you guys. I don't think he's blue with antenna right now, but he was when he was on Star Trek Enterprise. And we're going to talk in just a few minutes to Greg Sargent. So please start dialing so you can get through, and we'll get you on the line to answer your questions. But first, let's do some fan shout-outs. Eric, you want to get us started? I absolutely do, Jim. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Marco Tomasini, who's saying hello to us from Roma, Italy, where I will be in approximately two and a half months. I'm getting very excited about going there and eating your food and seeing your sights. Marco, thank you so much for supporting our podcast from that most amazing historic city uh, right there on the Mediterranean. Love it. Uh, hello this week as well to Tybor Kolazar, who's saying hello to us from Hungary and sending us a little Hungarian flag emoji, which of course is, I'm sure, what attracted Jim's attention. Tybor, we really appreciate your support as well in that amazing country of Hungary. So many, so many cool things going on there, including food. Uh, you know, everybody's got the good food. What is it with everybody's food? I love it. Hello this week as well to Anthony Michael Hines, who's saying hello to us from Barbados. In the West Indies, Anthony Michael Hins, uh, I bet it's very nice and warm where you are right now as opposed to the sort of cold, well, it's not too bad, but cold and rainy that we typically get this time of year up here. Thank you so much for supporting us way out there in the ocean. And thank you as well to Stavros Komanomalis, who is saying hello to us from Greece, where I will also get a chance to visit in uh, in March there. So Stavros Thank you so much for supporting us from that other most historic city out there, uh, uh, part of, big part of West Coast, Western culture, of course. Charles, I'm going to pass this shout-out megaphone over to you, brother. Oh, thank you, Eric. Let's start with a warm welcome to Felicitine Nance Carrier from Lafayette, Louisiana. Or, yeah, Louisiana. Top fan, Vicki Watson. From Coplay, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Vicki. And a welcome to James Potter from Utah. I wonder what part of Utah. You're not too far off of Vegas. And a warm welcome to Well Sean from Tucson, Arizona, where I'm sure it is a lot warmer than it is here. David, who's on your list? Yeah, I'd like to give a warm shout-out. Welcome to Joe Welch from Maryland. And another warm shout-out. Welcome to Diane Plunkett-Drake from Missouri. And the next one is a warm shout-out. Welcome to Deanna Lopez. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, From California. Last on my list is a top fan, which is another shout-out warm welcome to Mike McDonald from Oscar, Georgia, USA, or Augusta, sorry, 
Georgia, USA. All right, Paul, who done your list? You know, David, I think I like Oscar, Georgia. Uh, I think, you know, if, <laughs> if, if we can all just take a vote, I think we could just maybe change yeah, their name. Like no nice one's going to mind. Let's go to the so. Senate and get a bit, the bill passed. Oscar, Georgia. It's where the Oscar <laughs> Mayer wieners all get made, I'm sure. Let's head over to the magical land of Europe, if we can, friends, and say hello to some of our friends over there. Because first of all, we've got Peter Krom from Osnabrück, North Germany. And that always makes me think of, uh, Peter, your last name reminds me of Conan the Barbarian, Krom's Devils. Krom's Devils, Peter Krom. From Osnabrück, North Germany. It is great to hear from you. Uh, top fan Raul Freija from Argentina is really letting it fly with the emojis this week. We've got three stars emblazoned there and the live long and prosper signal from uh, beautiful Argentina. Wow, I would love to come visit that neck of the woods down there, Raul. You have an amazing country from all I've heard. So it's uh, great to hear that uh, enthusiasm for Star Trek is just everywhere, including Belfast, Northern Ireland, where I know we've got plenty of fans over there who've uh, at some point or another contacted us here on the show. I wonder if you all convene in a particular Belfast pub on Thursdays to, to check us out. That would be very cool. I would like, I would, I would fly out there and hang and uh, like to be part of those festivities with my good friend, Jim Hillis in Belfast, because Jim is representing and uh, got the flag flying proudly there. So it's great to hear from you. And I just might get vertigo. We're going to spin this globe around so damned hard. And we're going to go flying down various longitudes and latitudes all the way down to another continent, Melbourne, Australia. Where top fan Jeff Lloyd is saying hello, a great enthusiast of all things Star Trek. That's when you're a top fan. That means you interact with us like crazy. You're all over the Facebook page. You're liking everything. You're messaging Jim. You're sending him risque photos. You're doing all kinds of nonsense. So top fans, we love you. We love it when your check's clear. And we love that you like Star Trek. Isn't that right, Uncle Jim? Absolutely. And I want to say I have another top fan. I want to say thank you. Uh, to Bob Catanza, who's listening to us in Massachusetts, U.S. of A. We also want to say thank you to Frank Parker for listening. He's listening down in the Big Apple, New York City itself. Thank you for being a fan and listening to our podcast, Frank. I have a top fan, Dina Monzone, who's listening to us in the Philippines. And we have the Philippine flag waving, waving proudly. And uh, last but not least, we have another top fan. Thank you so much to listening to our podcast, to Bill Moreno, who's listening to us in Havana, Cuba. So that's our fan shout-outs, guys. If you would like to be featured on a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page. You can link that to trektalking.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see a post link saying, hey, where are you guys listening from? And just drop us a message. Emojis get my attention. If more emojis, the better chance you'll have of being mentioned on a fan shout-out. And that, my friends, is our fan shout-out for the week. Uh, we have a special guest with us on the line right now, Greg Sargent. He's a stuntman, stunt actor, and stunt coordinator who worked portraying the um, Andorian officer, Thon, in Star Trek Enterprise first season episode, The Andorian Incident. Uh, he was among the stunt crew, which received a Screen Actors Guild Award nomination for outstanding performance on a stunt ensemble in the motion pictures for Star Trek. I'm not for Star Trek, the motion picture. I'm sorry. Pirates of the Caribbean at the World's End. 
He started his stunt career in the 1990s and performed in feature films such as Space Invaders, Total Recall, Hook, Cyborg 2, Batman and Robin, and was a stunt double for Brad Dourif on Alien Resurrection. And, of course, I'm talking about our very own Andorian himself, right from the set of Star Trek Enterprise, Greg Sargent. Welcome to the show. Ah, it's a pleasure to be here and with all your followers, it sounds like, around the world. Oh, yeah. We're, we're a global phenomenon. Absolutely 73 countries. Sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they, we have a lot of listeners. And uh, as I said, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you have a question, just give us a call and we'll get you on the air. So I wanted to start out uh, and ask you, how did you actually get into acting and stunt work in the first place? Well, uh, I started out, I was actually studying to become an actor and uh, had no intention of uh, becoming a stunt performer and uh, was working hard uh, studying with different coaches. And uh, I was actually an extra on a movie set one day and uh, a gentleman walked up to me and said, hey, this guy's going to run out of this scene here. And I was sitting at a bar in a nightclub just uh, basically doing nothing. And he said, uh, and when this guy runs out, can you stand up and he'll push you down and you'll fall over on this table here. And uh, I said, yeah, sure, I could do that. So, uh, and in those days, they, they were, that's uh, quite a while ago, they were paying you like $50 a day. And uh, so I said, yeah, oh, I could do it. I got up, the guy came running through and pushed me down on the table. And uh, the gentleman came back over afterwards and said, hey, give the kid an extra 50 bucks. And I said, wow, I'm making $100. Holy smokes, maybe I could do this stunt thing while I'm waiting for my big acting break. And uh, here I am 25 years later as a professional stuntman. I'm still waiting for the big acting break. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got to wear an antenna and be on Star Trek, so that that's a step in the right direction, right? Yeah, it was a, it's a, a great show, a great franchise to be involved with. Um, and, yeah. I wanted to ask you about your Pirates of the Caribbean stint, uh, the, the award that you won for Pirates of the Caribbean. Would you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, I was fortunate to work on actually four of the Pirates movies. And uh, that's quite a franchise to be involved with. And uh, on uh, three of them, I played characters. On one of them, I doubled a guy, uh, a stunt doubled a guy. And um, it, it's the kind of mo- movie, they're the kind of movies that, boy, you really got to be in shape to do those movies because they're so physical and you're on all these remote locations around the world. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed playing the characters. And quite a bit of uh, hours and weeks of, of learning sword choreography, fight choreography, and those kinds of things, in, in addition to playing parts. So it's, it's a real handful uh, that you're taking on. Wow. How long did you, how long did you spend on the sets for Pirates of the Caribbean? Uh, each one of those uh, were three-month shoots. Um, uh, they're quite intensive, and with the travel and, and, and doing the actual shooting and everything else, you usually end up uh, on a film of that size about three months. 
Wow. Wow, that's impressive. Well, I'm going to, you know, I, I have some other questions I want to ask, but um, take up all your time. I'm going to pass you right along to Eric because I know he's chomping at the Andorian bit to ask you some questions. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. Do you want to? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Greg, for coming on the show. It's so cool to have you here. I love having stunt people because um, it feels like you all kind of like – see the the process from a different perspective and although you said you know you didn't go into it thinking that you were going to be a stunt person it seems like you're kind of in the soup now and it looks like you're a stunt coordinator as well for stuff yes absolutely so doing it and then teaching other people how to do it and showing other people how to do it well yeah we we're in a difficult end of the movie making process and uh Lots of people want to get involved or want to try to learn to do this, but uh, uh, unfortunately, we're in the only end. And unfortunately, sometimes people die doing what we do, so that's why it's so difficult to get in. It's a pretty close society. Uh, so unless you know someone within the business or you can find uh, a reputable – when I started out, there were no schools, but uh, now there are some reputable stunt schools, and – one of the things I did when I started out, because I remember how hard it was for me, I said, if I ever make it, I'm going to start my own school so that I can help young people that uh, want to try to get into this business can can do it correctly. And, and, and I've done that. We have a school. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a difficult business to get into. But, um, and it's a small circle. Once you, you're in you're in. I mean, you need to know uh, the people to get in and you need to be trained by someone who's professional and proper as well, because, you know, where do you go to, you know, get somebody to teach you to jump off a building and has the equipment and and all that type of stuff. Seems like very specialized set of skills for sure. Yeah. It's a very specialized set of skills. Yeah, so before you kind of got involved in the your enterprise stuff, were you, did you have any love of or connection to Star Trek or uh, Oh yeah, I've been a I've been a Star Trek fan since I was a kid. Boy, we used to watch the original Star Trek on TV. I had the I had the shirt from the crew that you would wear when you would watch on TV and you know, uh definitely who who hasn't been a a fan of Star Trek. I mean, indeed, indeed. Yeah. I, you know, I think we all kind of feel the same way. I mean, we leave room because of the idic open for people who may not be fans, but man, <laughs> yeah. sure feels like everybody should be. Um, did you? So, how did you then get into the Andorian gig uh, on Enterprise? Well, you know, I um, I got a call from, actually from the stunt coordinator on that show. Uh, and it was in the first season. And uh, at that time, there there weren't a lot of stunt people that had acting training. And I had had acting training, so I used to get a lot of calls where you would play the part and do the stunts. Uh, since then, it has trained in the industry uh, to where they'll hire, they'll look for stunt people now that can act. Because if that's the case, then if you know you could shoot me and I could do the dialogue, play the part, and you could shoot me, and it saves them money. Uh, so I got the call, and um, 
I, I went over to Paramount and uh, I, I walked in the room and they handed me the script, uh, which was one page of uh, a paper. And there were about 25 other uh, stunt people there when I got there waiting to audition. So I thought, wow, there must be a real lot of dialogue for this thing because none of these guys have gone in yet. And I picked up the paper and the only thing that was on the paper was we've searched all the chambers in the Eastern tower. And that was it. And I picked it up and couldn't figure out what everybody was waiting for. And they were all practicing and everything. And uh, the producer came out and said, uh, whenever you're ready to go. And I said, I'm ready. So I, they took me in first and I walked in, met the director and what typically happens in this case is the director will ask you before you read, so do you have any questions about the character or, or anything, thoughts? And I said, no. And she said, oh, oh, great. It was a female director. I said, she said, oh, great. Well, let's do it. And I just said that line again. And she immediately said, he's the guy. Mm. And uh, wow. walked out of the room and uh, went back to the room with the coordinator and he told everybody else they could go home so they weren't too happy. <laughs> <laughs> they took the first guy. <laughs> so they, they kind of knew when I had gotten there because I'm known in the business as a stunt guy or an action actor who, you know, he can do the lines too. So everybody kind of thought, oh boy, he's going in first. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's how I got the part. And boy, what what a what a great part to get! And I enjoyed the physical part of it, uh, as well as uh, doing the role itself. And that episode was when they reintroduced the Andorians for quite some time. Uh, and I did not realize, you know, how big of a deal it was. Uh, I hadn't watched uh, the show in a while. But there were people on the street saying, like, oh, my God, you're going to be an Andorian. Oh, my God, you're going to be an Andorian. And I said, oh, wow, this this must really be a big deal. Um, so I went in and shot it. And uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs was uh, our lead commander uh, for that episode, who's a great actor. Um, and I was the first Andorian of the new series. Um that got to beat up Captain Archer, <laughs> so, who was played by Scott Bakula. So that was a thrill. Uh, but it's not often you get to knock around the star, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that quite a bit, actually. Was it actually um, was it him, or did you knock up his stuntman? stuntman? Oh, no, it's him. Uh, and uh, he, he was a pretty physical, good physical guy, and I, I worked with him, and we... You know, I kicked him around the room. I punched him in the face and knocked him through the candles. I mean, you know, and uh, and and he took it all and and did a good job. I mean, I didn't actually hit him, but we, you know, he he sold it. I sold it, and uh, it came out pretty good in the in the episode. Uh, oh, that sounds great. Uh, I, I, well, I definitely want to leave room for my other Trexperts here to ask you more questions about Enterprise, but I just love the Andorians from Enterprise. Definitely one of my favorites. My last question for you is going to be about your experiences on one other show of which I am a big, big fan. Uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, your IMDb says you were involved in Buffy the Vampire Slayer for eight episodes. Oh, gosh. 
Oh, you know about that? <laughs> I have been killed so many times in that graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Every <more>. episode, somewhere, <laughs> you know, they'd stick that makeup on and you were the vampire of the week and Buffy oh, always had okay. to kill you somewhere. Sure. And uh, I love that show. You know, we had a great time doing it. And, and it was the kind of show that you knew basically you were going to go in and fight because uh, mm-hmm. the bulk of it was fights. Uh, I even did the episode, which was a musical. Uh, oh, yeah, I love that. So we talked so much about that episode when the uh, Star Trek musical came out because that was kind of our you know, reference uh, back to other television musicals, and the Buffy one was definitely in my mind. Yeah, of all things, they decided that suddenly, you know, uh, we had this team of stunt guys that would become the vampires and they decided that, you know, Hey, we're going to do a musical. And everybody was kind of like, what? We're going to do what? <laughs> uh, but we did it and, uh, car- and uh, we carried the casket around in the graveyard and did the whole thing while he stood on it and sang. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty crazy stuff, but it was a real fun show to work on. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a blast. I just And the makeup that. on that show uh, would take about an hour to put on, and then they'd uh, put contact lenses on you as well. Uh, so once you got into that, that, you know, a lot of times the makeup and the uh, eye stuff you have to wear, it really helps you get into the character, as well as the wardrobe, whatever you're wearing, you know. Your Andorian makeup must have taken more than an hour. The Andorian makeup took three hours, Whew. and um, the reason it took so long was those antennas that move around, uh, they have a little motor that's inside there on top of your head, and there's a guy offset with like a, uh, a remote control, like a video game, and as you're talking or doing whatever, he moves them around, so what? While you're doing whatever you're doing, you're hearing this thing on your head. You're trying to do dialogue <laughs> or fight, and you're hearing this motor go ring, ring, ring. So you're trying to conquer that and um, and beat somebody up. It uh, gets a little confusing. So it get it provides kind of what in Enterprise looks like that sort of random movement uh, on the antenna. They're kind of yeah, you know. Place. You know, they'll watch as people talk and in the appropriate places that they feel, they'll say, oh, this is a, it's, it's an accent piece, you know, as they react, they move, if they talk, they move. Um, But it works, but it's it's a pain in the head. That's what it is. (laughs) Well said, sir. Uh, Well, thank you so much. uh, We got a lot of questions. I'm going to pass my little question microphone here over to our good Fred, David, what would you like, Greg? Sorry, what were you saying, Eric? You were really breaking up there. Oh, I just asked what you wanted to talk to Greg about. Oh, oh. Take it away, Okay, cool. Yep, your turn. (laughs) Sweet. Um, Yeah, hi. Uh, So, welcome to the show. Well, hi. Um, (laughs) So, I just had a quick question. Um, You mentioned that you got to beat up uh, Archer there. So... Which one do you hate more, Tellarites or humans, as an Andorian character? 
<laughs> oh, God. We're all friends, man. What do you mean, hate? We're all friends. Uh, I would say humans. You oh. mean pink skin. Pink yeah, skin. There you pink go. Skins, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, I was just curious. Um, the, all that makeup they put on you for the Andorian character, and you mentioned that the motors on your head were moving around. Did it actually ever make you like your head itch at all? Didn't didn't make your head itch, but you end up by the end of the day, you're you've definitely got a headache. Because you oh, can hear those, oh. you can hear those motors moving around, and it's really like uh, a little little motor grinding around on your head, and uh, it it gives you a headache at the end of the day. Wow, cool. Um, but there, there's worse jobs you can have, you know. <laughs> I was gonna say there's probably some like magnetic field stuff going on there too, man. When you got motors going off next yeah. to your head all day long, I can imagine. Yeah, I can yeah, connect like, to my radio really well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Greg had the best TV reception of anyone on his block. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, that's yeah, really I great. So. <laughs> I had the first wireless phone. You know. There we go. <laughs> cool. Um, so did um, did the uh, your directing? Do you did some directing work, right? Uh, yes, I've done directing as well. Nice. And was is that any harder to do than say like the whole stunt? The performing. Been doing? The, the, are you saying is directing harder than performing? Yeah. Balancing out. Uh, well, it it depends if you like doing that. Um, I I like directing. Um, it it's like giving a painter a blank canvas and saying, okay, you're in charge of painting this picture. And it's it's a big responsibility, and not only that, uh, like with Star Trek fans or Pirates fans or or Batman fans, I've I've done Batman as well. If you're directing, you don't want to disappoint those fans. And at the end of the day, the director is creating what he's doing with those characters. So it's I I like it quite a bit. It's it's, uh, I direct every chance I get, and I enjoy playing the characters, but uh, it's nice to be able to direct as well uh, and really bring to life what your vision is. Nice. Cool. And just one last thought I had really quick. Sure. Um, I was just curious, like, when you became a Star Trek fan, do you remember the very first episode you saw on TV? Oh, my God. I was pretty young. I don't know. I'm sure it had something to do with Tribbles, you know. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a bit older than you, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with Tribbles, man. I mean, you know. There you go. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Greg was listening before the show about David's love of Tribbles. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, I'm going to hand this off to uh, Charles and see if he has any questions for you. Thank you for being on the show. You bet. It's a pleasure. Okay. Oh, welcome. You talk about being a Star Trek fan. Uh, did you follow Discovery? I, I did follow Discovery, um, uh, but not as much. And the reason for that is uh, 
I'm working in the business and a lot of times when you're on location and you're shooting these things and, and you're busy working, you don't have a lot of time to watch TV. But I have watched the show and I've watched all the shows and I enjoy them all. And I know there's a new Star Trek getting ready to start up. Uh, and, uh, I was wondering what you thought about seeing Ryan on the screen. The Andorian Andor- without the uh, antennas, played by Noah Asperg. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't say because I didn't see that, uh, and I didn't see that particular episode. But uh, an Andorian without antennas surely would be different. He doesn't have. I got to go back and catch a couple of episodes. He's. He's an interesting character in there, ah. it appears. Oh, I'd like to see that. Wow. Well, you've you've brought something for me to see that I haven't seen. Well, that's great. Oh, you got to go see him. He's <clears throat> he's an, he's another big Trekkie. We had a, we have Axelman too, and he was a ball. He was fun to talk to as well. Ah. <clears throat> well, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, there's some fun All canon right. stuff in there, too, because we're, you know, supposedly, I think from TOS, we know that if you chop off an Andorian's antenna, it, it's supposed to grow back. But that particular Andorian had them permanently cut off. So that was like more of a, it was like a big, you know, oh, when, you, when you sort of look at it from like a social standpoint, it was like a really big deal that he had his antenna permanently removed, right? He had them permanently removed. Oh yeah, so there's gosh. some cool, like, and there's just like some deeper stuff in there that's kind of fun to check in with Star Trek. Marks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll be, I'll have to go back and look there. That was the season three of Star Trek Discovery, I believe. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, we know where to look for it. I'm going to give it a look <laughs> because I want to hold on to my antennas. Yes, you want to keep them. We all do, brother. I want to see how that happened to him. Yeah, free TV service. That's yeah, right. He must he and, must have done something really bad. Wow. Yeah, he did. And, <laughs> thanks, and thanks to Jim posting a few other things on the list. I was very curious about your work with Captain EO. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Captain EO uh, was a job that I <laughs> didn't think – I was going to get not only that uh, I didn't know that was the job that I went in for the audition for because they kept everything secret because of Michael uh, and prior to starting my acting or stunt career uh, Captain EO uh, was shot in 1985 uh, now I'm really dating myself um, <laughs> it, it uh uh, I was uh, performing, doing some dancing in a show. So, because I, I thought at one time, oh, maybe I'll become this professional dancer. Well, that didn't work out. So, but I got a call to come and do this audition at, uh, which at that time was called Laird Studios. And I went there, and they had it. It, it was like uh, one of those big old Hollywood dance auditions on a soundstage and there were like 200 dancers so you got in there and it was a a a two-week process we'd come in every day 
And we were doing these moves and I was thinking I'm never getting this job because they had uh, dancers, they had brought in Broadway dancers from New York and whatnot. And I definitely wasn't up to their level, but long story short, uh, two weeks in, they had whittled it all down and there were like uh, 45 of us left and I was still standing. And then they came in and said, well, you, you've all got the job. And uh, then they told us, they said, and you're going to be dancing with Michael Jackson. And at that time, Michael was at the height of his career. So everybody was pretty much in shock. And uh, talk about intimidation when somebody says you're going to dance, you know, on screen with Michael Jackson. And, and then of all things, they positioned me uh, right next to Michael in the shoot. And I'm like, oh. it is so, so much pressure, so much stress. But I did the moves. We pulled it off. Um, Francis Ford Coppola directed that. Uh, and, uh, George Lucas produced it and wrote it. Um, so it was quite an experience. Yeah, I was very lucky and, um, I enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, it just incredible. And I went on to do some other projects, uh, with Michael. I did, uh, smooth criminal moonwalker with him and some other oh. things. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, and that was when I was doing stunts. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about Michael Jackson. But, you know. No, but if you want to talk about doing stunts in his videos, bro, we can talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did, I did, yeah. I did uh, Smooth Criminal with him, and uh, if you've seen that, that video. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, a, yeah. there's a, uh, one of the, the guards, one of the guys during the battle that fall, falls down the stairs. Yeah, uh, sure. And that's me falling down the stairs. Whoa. Yeah. That's Aww. a lot of stairs, man. <laughs> yeah, and those were real cement stairs. Oh, wow. What's the What's but, the key to I, not to steal Charles' thunder, but like, what's the key to falling downstairs successfully? Well, most people think you got to do a lot of drinking. You know, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that always helped me. Was. Yeah, <laughs> it helps with doing the podcast too, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it's uh, you, you know, you learn how to fall downstairs, you wear padding, you wear, yeah. but the key thing is to keep your head tucked in and, and, and when you leave to fall to get down as fast as you can, because you don't want to be up in the air. So they have to teach you to, to get down into a roll and, and protect your head because you can pad everything else, but you can't pad your head, you know? Sure. Uh, and it's a, you're going to get banged up a little, but you know, the key is to not get hurt. You know, in the stunt business, they say if after 15 years, if you're still walking around, you did something right. Well, I'm still walking around, so I guess. Woohoo! <laughs> Outstanding, man. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to take up the caboose, well, Paul? Sure. Unless Charles has another. No, go ahead, Paul. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a pleasure to talk to you, man. It's great, great, great to have you on here, Greg. I got to ask one question real quickly, though, to, to make sure I'm clear on stuff, because I just watched the Andorian incident this afternoon, and I hadn't yeah. seen it in a million years, right? So I had to, I'm like, I got to watch it fresh, right? And uh, I was delighted to see that the woman you mentioned who directed that is like Roxanne Dawson, who was on. Yes, like, she is. A bunch of yes, years, she right? is. Yes. Yeah, very, and like, she was a great world. director. 
she was a great director and um so you got to see my great beating on archer <laughs> you look like he was really uh every other scene he's like back in the cave he's like you know draining the blood into an afghan or something he's like he's just like yeah he he no was being like he was like being the biggest crybaby in that episode i was like <laughs> what's happened to the captain I, I think he was trying to be all like you know sensitive for T'Pol, right? So that she'd maybe feel sorry for him and you know do something. Yeah. But I I gotta be clear though, you weren't the the Andorian who was being all skeevy with T'Pol, though, were you? Was that the uh, other no. Andorian? No. Uh, One of those um, guys is like very uh, lascivious with her. I was like, wait a second, that's not Greg. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 that guy. Was uh, yeah, I think he was he was kind of into her, and then he wasn't into her, then he was into her. I don't know what's going on there. But, You're sort uh, of like the the you know I, Jeffrey Combs like you know muscle, right? You're the one who's yeah. Like, okay, I was supposed you know. to be the enforcer, so you know I'm kicking him across the room, I'm punching him through the candle, and and then we if you if you saw the episode, you know he he was he was whining when when I drug him back. He's going, no, don't take me back. <laughs> Don't take me back again. But man, I mean, it is. You know, looking at your uh, your resume on here, you, you look like a guy who's like just hardly ever taken a day off. I mean, you have done so many different projects and a bunch of things that are like on my list of favorite things, like shows like the the, the Shield uh, with Michael oh Chiklis. My God. God, oh my God! Such a great series, man. You were on that yeah. show, amazing. Yeah. Did you? Well, you must have seen. I did the original. Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and most people don't realize that that uh, that entire movie was shot in Mexico City. Wow. Huh. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. then you were you had, you did work on a picture that I'm a big fan of that I think a lot of people just did not see and it's just such an unsung great picture is Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. Um, oh gosh, yes. Incredible. Yeah, that incredible. was. Uh, that was a grueling three months, and we shot that down in Mexico as well, um, uh, in Baja. Oh, at, man. Uh, uh, when, well, Fox had a studio there called Fox Baja, which they no longer have. They've sold back to the government because none of the actors they were, would go there now. They're afraid to go there. <laughs> <laughs> something terrible will happen. We'll be kidnapped or something terrible. So. Well, you'd have to – even the stunt guys, you – we would be driving uh, from Rosarito to the, to the studio and the federales would stop us and, and you'd have to slip them some money and then they'd let us go to the studio. Uh, you know, so finally uh, the production studio called them up because we pretty much had hired every, uh, every Mexican in Mexico for that film. Uh, and they said, look, if you, don't quit stopping our guys and making them late to set. We're going to pull the production out of town. They never stopped us again after that. Wow. You know, they were, they were wow. like, let those guys go. <laughs> uh, some, somebody got to hear it from on high, you know, it's like, all right, you guys. Yeah. Because we literally out. had every hotel, uh, every home in, in the fishing village. We, we had rented everything. Well, uh, I'll tell you, Greg, we could talk like, the whole bot podcast about your credits and you've done so many different things, but I really want to ask you to talk a little bit about something that isn't necessarily like professional career thing, 
but I just I came across it and it just really caught my attention. Is uh oh uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> I didn't do it. Oh come on, man, we got video. It's <laughs> I was innocent. <laughs> this one I think you will be happy about. This one is from December 2013, and I read that you were awarded the Citizens Meritorious Service oh. Award from the City of San Diego Police Department for bravery and heroism for saving the life of a woman who was dangling from the 14th floor of a high-rise, brother. I mean, can you tell us what that story is was all about? Uh, well, I was down uh, per, um, uh, coordinating the stunts for Comic-Con San Diego uh, for a film... Um, and we were setting up scaffolding outside and I was up about 40 feet on the scaffolding and this building was across the street. Uh, it was about, I think about a 20 story building. And, you know, there were a lot of people in costumes walking around and whatnot. So you don't think too much of people yelling or screaming. And some people were yelling and some things were going on. So I wasn't paying much attention to it. And then one of my guys radioed up to me and said, uh, he said, uh, hey, Greg, we've, we've got a jumper across the street. And I said, what? And I looked, turned around and I looked up on the 14th floor and there she was outside the balcony oh, God. Uh, getting ready to go. So I radioed two of my other guys and I said, uh, hey, grab some gear. Let's go get her. And... Uh, so we ran down, I ran down, got off, we ran across the street, and uh, it, I'll never forget, it was 90 degrees that day, and huh. we had, had our gear, and our uniforms for my, or our t-shirts and our hats from, for my stunt company, uh, which is called Stunts 911, they're, they're all black, and on, on the shirts it said, they just say S911, so I think people thought we were SWAT. You know? and we ran through the crowd and there was a big, uh, big steel gate and I'm ringing the guy cause it was a private building and I'm saying, Hey, let us in. You got somebody's going to jump. And he goes, we're not allowed to let anyone in. And I'm like, they're not going to let us in. I said, so we got to climb the wall. So we climbed over the wall, over the steel oh gate, <laughs> ran into the building and told security, look, you got a jumper on the 14th floor. You know, you got to give me the key to get in the thing. The guy couldn't find the key. Long story short, we ran the stairwells 14 floors and then ran into the hallway. And I got there before my guys who were still a couple of them stuck in the in the stairwell because they were so tired. And I thought, geez, I'm going to have to break this door down. And before I did that, I said, you know what? I'm just going to try the door. What, what are the odds that it's unlocked? And it was unlocked. And I walked in, and there were empty champagne bottles knocked over all over. There was nobody there. And I could see her out the sliding glass door, and she had closed the sliding glass door. And I was afraid if I waited, I said, she's going to be gone. So I quietly opened the sliding glass door and snuck up behind her and just put her in the tightest bear hug outside the rail and I could hear her just collapse and all the air go out of her when I grabbed her and my other two guys ran in then and they helped me I said help me pull her over the rail and we got her over the rail so wow. and, uh, 
She was distraught over a breakup with a boyfriend of all things. Terrible. Oh, terrible. man. Yeah, wow. So, wow. So we were That's just incredible. fortunate that we were in the right place at the right time, you know. Incredible, man. I mean, you hear a lot of stories of the, you know, life in Hollywood, and it's easy to get cynical, right? And that just restores my faith in the decency of humans and and uh, and people just being willing to do something selfless when they see that someone's in trouble. So, man, kudos to you. I mean, what an example. Well, thank you. We we uh, you know we deal in our side of the of uh, you know the profession. We deal with life and death all the time. So. Well, not all the time, but when it happens or somebody gets in, even injured, you know. So it was natural for us to respond and just do what we did. Um, and, you know, we told everybody, look, we're not looking to be heroes or anything. We're just, you know, glad she's okay. You know? oh, what, a, what a wonderful act, though. She's very fortunate that, uh, that you were there and acted with such compassion, man. So that, I think that's amazing. So, it, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Take that against a SAG award any day. I mean, that's just Yeah, incredible. absolutely. Incredible, brother. Incredible. And, uh, but jeez. But I just got to say um uh, it's a really I had not watched some of these older uh Enterprise episodes in a while. And if some of our listeners are in the same boat and they haven't checked them out, um I've been going back recently and watching some of these and I watched this one uh here today from season 1. Uh, today and the show looks great i mean i don't know if they've done a big restoration job on it digitally or what but it looks just as sharp as a bell um it's an extremely well directed episode and uh you and combs and all the other cats were just a really cool presence right you just can combative kind of it's like a spy story with the supposed you know uh, vulcan monks it's a great episode so it plays yeah really it well. holds up it holds up pretty well and uh it's like you were saying it it looks really good and you know we worked really hard to to be those people and make it real and make the action real and and uh, I think one of my favorite parts of that episode was, although I did enjoy beating up Archer, was uh, <laughs> being tased and uh, by somebody and, and uh, getting knocked down finally, you know, getting put out. Uh, that's that's uh, something I enjoyed because when it came out in the episode uh, with the effects and everything, it looks really good. It's always nice to get oh. shot and look good. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm down. I'm gonna fall over. It's like, <laughs> especially, especially by a taser, you know. You know. Very cool, man. Well, I love that there's so much sci-fi and uh, and cool stuff uh, that you've been involved in. I hope you continue to to be a, a genre guy uh, as much as you can, because uh, that's where all the excitement is. Is in uh, oh yeah, and it's right? <laughs> always good to be the bad guy or the guy. I've been eaten by more characters, you know. <laughs> I got e- eaten by the alien. I got eaten in War of the Worlds. Oh, God. That's right. You were in War of the Worlds. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I spent, great, two weeks, I spent two weeks in that cage with Tom Cruise. Oh, God. And man. what a nice guy, though. You know. That's great. Yeah, but yeah. You, you've had a lucky career, man. It looks sure you've just or, – or you've chosen just really well is what it looks well, like. Well, you man. know, I, I – I I chased it hard and, you know, uh, you know, the naysayers said, oh, you won't be able to do it. You don't, you're not a Hollywood kid. You don't know anybody. You don't. And I said, no, that's, you know, I'm not going to listen to these guys, you know, like, and that was really what, uh, uh, once I had been doing well, made me establish my school 
because I said, I don't want people to ever go through that again. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of, I've had kids come from all over the world, you know, uh, to take my course. We do a beginner's course. Uh, and a lot of these people that are out there now, <clears throat> they're just trying to make money off people. And I said, that's not cool. You know, they charge them four or $5,000 to come to their, their stunt course. And I said, this is crazy, man. Somebody needs to, you need to make sure if you want to get in this business, and I'll tell your listeners right now, if you want to get into this business and not just stunts in any facet, uh, but especially stunts, you know, check the school out, check who's, who the instructors are, and they should be people that are working in the business and have credits, not people that have just learned to set a guy on fire, but they've never done it themselves, you know. Amazing. Well, and again, just to make sure for our uh, listeners, Greg, you're, the school is Stunts 911 Action Design. No, no, make sure no, no. Is that right? No, no. Stunts 911 is our professional division. Ah, okay. Uh, our, our stunt school is called Stunt University. Stunt University, okay. So anybody can just look us up at stuntuniversity.com. Um, and, and I didn't come on to promote the school, <laughs> <laughs> but we want people to know about it anyway, man, because it's, it's yeah. cool that you're yeah. doing this, this thing that has not been, uh, uh, previously, uh, you know, filling the void. Right. So I think it's really yeah. cool that, uh, that you are, uh, you know, being there to help inspire a new generation of folks coming yeah. up. So, but, uh, and but we've been I'm, around a long time, you know, it's not like we just started it or anything. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I'm going to pass this back to Uncle Jim, Greg, because I know he's going to have a couple other things he wants to say. But just on behalf of the whole crew, man, just thank you for coming on and uh, and being such a great guest and great storyteller and uh, for sharing all this uh, wonderful uh, experience with us, man. It is you bet. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, it's been true. And uh, we actually we have a caller on the line that has a question for you. Okay, let's get it. Yeah, let's see if we can get this thing to work here. All right. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I was, I was like expecting some sort of like a little click, like, oh, okay, I know I'm on now. <laughs> <laughs> You're on. Uh, well, yeah, I'm on. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I do. I, well, I'm Leslie Sawyer and, um, I'm, I'm an actress, but certainly not on your level. I can tell you that right now, (laughs) but, um, I, the, the question I actually have for you, uh, since you, you've been so active, uh, with the being in the stunts and doing all kinds of stunts, was there ever a project that you were working on that you were, kind of nervous about doing like maybe they told you all right we want you to do this and then you're like uh i don't know that we can really do it that way i think that might be a bit much and and maybe change it around or say no we got we can't really do it like that that's just going to be too dangerous did anything like that ever happen to you uh it's leslie right yes it's leslie (laughs) leslie it's greg and i'm gonna tell you That happens still to this day on shoots all the time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they, they want more than what's uh, really reasonable. <laughs> well, we say uh, when you're performing a stunt, 
whether you're jumping off a building, you're getting set on fire, you're going through a window, you're crashing a car. At the end of the day, it's your stunt if you're the performer. And if you have any concerns, you would bring it to the co- stunt coordinator and you would say, hey, you know what? I don't the, uh, like these seatbelts in here. What I want would like something better. What a, and their job or my job as the stunt coordinator is to keep everybody safe and make sure everybody goes home safely. So, yeah, we would change things around and make it the way you like it. Um, and I'll give you a quick example. Um, I doubled Shia LaBeouf in a movie called Disturbia. Um, and there was a scene when the killer uh, is uh, trying to attack Shia and his girlfriend. They jump uh, out this window onto the roof of a house, and they're supposed to run up across the roof of the house, jump to the garage, and then jump into the neighbor's swimming pool next door. So I went out. They had me look at it during the day, and I said, oh, yeah, it looks great. We can do it. And It was a night shoot, and the night we got there, I went out on the roof, and I was looking at the pool in the neighbor's yard next door, and something didn't look right about it. So I called the stunt coordinator up on the roof, and I said, what's with that pool? It looks like it has a little seam down the center. And he said, oh, no, there's no pool there. We just dug a hole and put this plastic in it and filled it with water. Well, the Wow. If somebody would have told me that when I first got there to see it during the day, which they didn't, mm. thank goodness I found out because, as I said, it changes the whole stunt altogether because I'm dragging a stunt woman with me over the wall into that pool as well. So what we had to do to adjust, it was only about, it would probably come up to to your neck, the water. So what, oh. you had to do, what you had to do when you went in, we had to just immediately fold up in the water so we wouldn't break our legs so that's why you have to observe everything look at everything and make sure you know what's going on and and we didn't it turned out fine it's just you know uh you've got to be observant and check everything yourself because it's your safety and your life you know and and not everything not everything is death defying uh look a lot of the bulk of of stunt work is you're going to be getting shot or somebody's you're going to be fighting somebody and you're never going to win (laughs) (laughs) it's your job to lose the hero (laughs) you're never you're never the hero and it's your job to lose right (laughs) well thank you so much i really i've been enjoying listening to everything and all the things that you've done and congratulations i mean what an incredible career I think it's just just wonderful, and uh, well, yeah, thank you for coming on this this podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. Well, we're not doing anything if it wasn't for you guys and the people that go buy movie tickets and watch those TV shows, who streaming or not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure talking to you. Well, yeah, Greg, I great just, to I talk just... to you too. I just wanted to ask you uh, one more thing because you know we're Trek talking. So um, when you were on the set of Enterprise, uh, were there any shenanigans going on that you saw, or was it was it business all business, or you know what? Uh, was- no. Uh, well, you know sometimes funny things happen uh, with your war- wardrobe or props, and 
you know, they built those, they designed and fitted those, those uh, costumes for us. And one of the beautiful thing about having them fit those costumes for you, nobody could wear my costume. <laughs> uh, they're pretty tight. So uh, I know the gun that I shot in that thing, those guns, believe it or not, were very cheaply made. And we're, we're trying our darndest to make them look heavy on camera, but they, like, they're just very, very light. <laughs> and the strap that held run around your shoulder those straps kept breaking and flinging around the set and, and breaking things. Uh, so you're always trying to knock somebody's eye out with the costume with something breaking, you know. And uh, we had a couple of those things happen. But, uh, you know, people are usually on shows like that because you're trying to be so serious, you know. In between takes, uh, things get lighthearted and guys will joke around. And But, you know, once that camera's rolling again, you know, you're right back into that character. Yeah. Now, uh, you don't have to answer this because people are listening. But okay, I won't. Did you keep things? <laughs> Give them a chance, man. Give them a chance. <laughs> Did you keep an antenna or, or anything from the show? Did I keep anything from the show? Uh, no, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, there was... Uh, no, no. No, I, I, I'm thinking of the wrong show. <laughs> from another uh, show. <laughs> yeah, I, something I got from another show. Uh, but the only thing I kept from the, no, I don't think I kept anything from there. Uh, although I did keep the uh, there's a there's a photo I think well you guys have the photo that with that orange background, and it mm. got got the gun and everything, and that was a publicity photo, and they shot that, and they said, well, you know, you got to get permission to get it, and then I went to the guy, and he goes, oh, I'll send you it send it to you you know so i i did keep that well that that's a cool memento oh yeah and and he did a great job shooting that stuff but uh there is a little piece of uh, i got a piece of the pottery that i kept in that episode and you'll know this because you've seen it uh where he's hiding behind that curtain and then the um archer and the other guy tackle me behind the wall yeah yeah well that was you see my reflection in that piece of pottery before they bash down the raw wall and get me uh and it broke all over and i kept a piece of that pottery nice that's yeah. awesome that's awesome yeah uh, we always love to act uh, to ask people who come on the show what little mementos they keep because i think it's just kind of like it's natural to want to sort of you know keep a little tiny physical representation of the cool thing that you just did. Yeah. I mean, I, I've kept things from Batman. I've kept things. Oh, I didn't keep anything. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <Officially>. <laughs> uh, no, I funny. have, I have, um, red moon money from total recall. Oh, nice. oh that's cool. Oh, money yeah. from Mars. Or yeah. From Venusville and up on Mars, the, the red money. And the funny thing is that money, they never showed that you saw that money, but you never saw it up close on camera. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger's picture in the center of it. No way. Does it really? <laughs> oh, my gosh. On the money, yeah. And I have several of those, some of them in frames. Oh, man. That sounds so cool. 
That is so cool. That is awesome. Well, Greg, I, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for joining us on the show and taking time out of your schedule to truck talk with us tonight. Absolutely. It's been an honor to be here with you guys. Thank you so, so much for sharing all your stories and sharing your career with us. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, and I appreciate you guys. So keep up the good Trek stuff. And uh, you know what they say, live long and prosper. Yes, <laughs> you too. Thanks a lot. Continued well. success, sir. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Andoria, as the case may be. Or Andoria. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. Have a good night. All right, you guys take care. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. All right, guys. So, Sergeant, and we've been talking to Dorian Officer the Star Trek Enterprise and Dorian Incident episode. And uh, we're going to do some Star Trek birthdays in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, we have – I'm sure you guys have heard by now that Gary Graham passed away last week. A very unexpected uh, – Pretty big shock, pretty big surprise. Um, as I said on the show last week, I loved him on Alienation. That was one of my favorite roles. But we have with us on the line right here, we have Leslie Sawyer, who was a, a part of his fan club and knew him personally. And uh, she wanted to say a few things about Gary Graham. So uh, the microphone is yours, Leslie. Aw, thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I uh, just thought it would be nice just to maybe give your listeners a little bit of insight uh, about Gary Graham. Um, I became friends with him back in uh, 2016, and honestly, it's just, I don't know if you want to call it like, you know, <laughs> uh, the force or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if we want to call the force on Star Trek, but anyway, you know what I mean. Um, there are millions and millions and millions of people that obviously are on Facebook and how Gary came across me. I have no idea. It's not like I live in California. In fact, I was living in Atlanta at the time. And of course he lived out in California and I get a, like, you know, one of those private messages right on messenger. And he just was like saying hi or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, hi. <laughs> but I didn't, I had no idea who he was because ironically out of all the Star Trek series there are, Enterprise was the only one I didn't watch. I watched a little bit of the first episode and it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. I'm like, no, I can't, I'm just, I can't get into this. So I never watched it. Although I did watch Alien Nation, but unfortunately, Alien Nation, that was already a long time ago. I'm not going to remember, you know, who was in that or who starred in it or anything like that. Um, so anyway, he just started chit-chatting. He says, oh, I really like your profile picture. I really like your Batman shirt. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks. So I, before, you know, he sent me a friend request, and I went to his wall, but I didn't really look at it too much. I just... I will be okay with accepting a friend request if it's somebody who's maybe an actor, if it's somebody who's in the business, or somebody who's like way into Star Trek. <laughs> Either one, I, I'll be like, okay, or this person's really geeky, so okay, I've got things in, in common with them, so I'll, I'll go ahead and accept their friend request. So one thing led to another. He kept chatting with me. Again, I have no idea who this guy is at all. 
but he was very friendly, very, very nice. He was like, oh, I see you want to be an actress. And he's like, you know, I'm out here in California. I thought maybe, you know, I want to give you just a few pointers about stuff if you're at all interested. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, you know. So he's kind of telling me about what to watch out for. And, you know, I mean, it was almost like he, for whatever reason, he wanted to take me under his wing. And so, but anyway, all of a sudden, one day in my news feed, I see a picture of him as Saval. And I'm like, wait a minute, that looks like really professional stuff. I'm like, no way, no way am I talking to some guy that was on Star Trek. I mean, I instantly like freaked out. So I went back to his wall again, and I really went, really researched it and looked down. And I, then that's when I discovered, oh, my God, this guy, he was Sykes on Alienation. And he was, and I'm just like, all of a sudden I flipped out. I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I've been chatting with this guy. And this is who this person is. And, uh, but anyway, uh, next time I chatted with him, you know, I just said, oh, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I, I had no idea who you were. And he was like, oh, I prefer it that way. He was like, I'm actually really glad that you didn't know who I was. Because, you know, I know that I got to meet the real you. You weren't putting on any kind of weird, you know, going all fan on or a boy or whatever. I mean, you were just, you were being a very genuine down-to-earth person. And uh, I felt like it was really easy to chat with you. So he's like, actually, I was, I was glad that you had no idea who I was. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, it really, I, I just had to act like, well, oh, it doesn't really change anything. I can still be down-to-earth. <laughs> and so, but anyway, he really liked me. And he then said, how would you like to be my personal assistant in Las Vegas for the, um, you know, the Star Trek, the big, you know, Star Trek fan uh, convention in Las Vegas? I almost dropped the phone. I mean, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I I'm totally would be fine with doing that, you know. So I did that. But he also ended up having to come to Atlanta for several different things. And um, he wanted me to be his personal assistant for all these various things that he had to do when he was in Atlanta. Uh, so it really wasn't just that. I mean, so over the years, we really actually did work together a, a bunch of times. So I, I'm, I feel so grateful and so blessed that I got to really know this man. And he had such a huge heart. He had, he had so much uh, to offer and the way he treated fans, he, you know, he did not like calling them fans. He liked to call them friends. And he would even say that in some of his interviews. He said, I really feel like all of you are my friends. And it is so draining. People need to realize this. If ever you go to a convention and you want to get an actor's autograph, you might end up coming across somebody that might seem kind of cold because this actually has happened to me a couple of times, but because of what I witnessed with Gary, I, I honestly, I'll let it, let it slide because, you know, they're, they're people and you, some people can handle things better than others. Uh, but for hours, you have to realize they're sitting at a table for hours on end day after day, they get little breaks obviously, but Usually their breaks are they're being they're being whisked away to go be on stage on a panel, right? Then they've got to come back to their table mm-hmm. again. So believe it or not, these actors are actually working very hard when they are at a convention. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you have to act really up and really happy for a long period of time, but it is not easy. But Gary 
somehow was able to act so incredibly sweet and caring from the very first person that walked up to him until the very last one. And I just, I don't even know how the guy did it. And um, he was just so kind and gracious. There was like this one time when we were at a convention and uh, a gentleman in a wheelchair and he couldn't even talk real good. Um, you know, you could tell he was had, you know, sort of special needs or whatever, but he came up to the table and he was trying to talk to Gary. Gary really took the time to try to talk with him. And the guy said, Hey, I, I know you're a Scotch man. I'll go back up to my room. Would you, would you be willing to share a glass of scotch with me? And Gary said, I would love that. That would be wonderful. And so the guy left, but he was gone a really, really long time. And we kind of forgot about it. You know, we're busy with other people and stuff like that. But then the guy came back, and he had the bottle hidden under his coat, and he brought two glasses with him, and he poured it in the glass, and then Gary took the time. I What I wanted to do is I had to kind of field things a little bit for him because luckily he didn't have a lot of people waiting for him to take it, like get an autograph and stuff. But when this man came back and wanted to drink a little bit with Gary, I could tell Gary really genuinely wanted to take some time with him, even though we had other people waiting. So I kind of walked around the table and I just kind of like – visited with some of these people that were waiting for Gary to talk to them, you know, kind of pass the time a little bit. Cause yeah, Gary wasn't about to be like, well, okay, you know, I, I'll take a little quick sip here, but I've got other people waiting for me, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I knew that Gary definitely wanted to give this guy some time and, and visit with him. And so I was really glad that I was able to be there and kind of help Gary out with that whole situation. Uh, but Gary just, he cared so much. I could not believe how much he really cared about every single person that came up to the table. And when we were finally done and we were packing everything up after the dealer's room closed, that man was exhausted. I mean, well, we both were. <laughs> we both were exhausted. But um, I don't know. I just, I really honestly can't say um, enough about him and uh everything that he did. He also, he must've had an incredibly high IQ because he also, you know, he had a band, his own band called the sons of Kirk. He wrote the songs uh, for, for the, the band. He also could play a wide variety of instruments. He could play guitar. And I mean, I just, it's the list that honestly goes on and on and on. He also um, uh, was excellent horseback rider. Uh, he uh, also knew how to fly a plane. He was a he was a pilot. <laughs> I, I just where he got the time to do, be able to learn to do all this stuff. He told me he loved learning. He just loved to learn, and he also liked the challenge. Uh, when this, I thought this was a very interesting story. When he was a young man, uh, he wanted to be first string uh, with cello, and they told him, you know, he when he started, he was like way back, you know, like. I don't know, whatever he was, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. And, but he had it in his head that I want to be first, the first one, you know? And so he worked and worked and worked and worked and kids were teasing him because he'd bring his cello on the bus, you know, back and forth from school and all that, you know, but the guy did it, you know, he, he had a goal in his head and he was going to do it. And he eventually worked his way up and he became the first, (laughs) the first seat or whatever you call it. And, um, I don't know. I, I just sort of feel like the whole 
just everything of what he did in his life, uh, being able to travel the world and do all the things he did, even though he only lived to be 73, that man packed so much in his life. And I am so grateful that I had the opportunity to really meet this man and get to know this man. You know, he even knew how to uh, give first aid. He even took like a little course, like, I mean, it's not like he could go out and be a surgeon, but as a young man, he actually um, was, uh, knew he knew how to ski, you know, snow ski. And uh, he was one of those people who would go out and try to save people if they were like a skiing accident. And uh, he actually did have uh, a very bad skiing accident that he had to go and get and he tried to help the guy but when he got to the guy he could tell no way was this man going to make it um but he was still alive and gary was trying to comfort him and he held him in his arms and it really didn't take very long but he was again gary's trying to hold him and comfort him uh but the guy actually ended up dying in his arms and uh, just all these things of what he experienced in life and, and all the things that he did. He, and I am so grateful to, that he had the opportunity to actually work with his daughter. His daughter, um, who is, I think she's 31 or 32, made a little short film. And it is on YouTube. You actually can see it on YouTube. It's called Plant, just like the word plant. And it's a very sweet story. It's already won all kinds of little awards and stuff. Uh, but she got to direct Gary in that film. And um, uh, her name is Haley Graham. And I remember Gary talking very glowingly about her. Uh, he was def- That's the only child he ever had. And, but they were very close. And she definitely was daddy's little girl. So uh, she obviously has been posting stuff on Facebook and obviously her heart is absolutely broken, and I can relate to how she's feeling because I lost my dad about 12 years ago. And um, it's it's very, very difficult if you're really, really close to your dad. It's a, it's a very hard loss. So, uh, But, hey, again, I, I really uh, would invite you to go take a look at that film. Gary did a wonderful job in it. And it is, it's just a short, I think it's like eight minutes long. It's really not very long, but it's it's a very sweet story. And uh, she just she and they did it I think this past summer, so it wasn't that long ago that she got she was filming with him to make this movie. Uh, but what a wonderful memory for her that she got that opportunity. And Gary also was actually a very religious man. Um, he was a devout Christian, and he and his daughter just a couple of years ago went uh, on a wonderful trip to uh, Israel, and uh, they went to all the you know the spots where, uh, you know, you'd want to go and see the holy spots, the holy land and all that. And uh, that was another amazing thing that uh, I'm really happy for her that she got that opportunity to be with him and have that experience with him. Um, But, yeah, I just, uh, honestly, I'm not kidding you. I probably could just sit here and talk all night about all the different things uh, with him and and just what an incredible person he was. Um, and, and, uh, I, I just, I appreciate you so much letting me come on your show and just talk about him because obviously I was in shock. Um, I, there's a lot of people that know that I was friends with him. So when I woke up that morning and I, you know, picked picked up my phone, I got all kinds of messages from people saying, Oh, you know, Gary died. You know, Gary died, whatever, you know, and I'm just like, what? 
And and one person was like, is this really true? Is this fake news? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm trying to wipe the cobwebs out of my eyes. I'm like, well, well, well let me look into it. Well, it didn't, obviously it didn't take me long at all to find out that it really was real. Um, I, it shouldn't have honestly come as a huge shock to me, only because I did know he had a bad heart. When I was with him in 2018 at the Star Trek convention, he was not doing well. I had to do so much work because he, it was hard for him to lift anything. And he was, you know, getting out of breath very easily. And he just said, Les, uh, listen, don't say anything to anybody because in this business, if they know you're not doing well, you can't get work. And he's like, but I'm going in for heart surgery in just a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I'm like, Gary, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't, I've got a bad valve, and but they're going to work on it. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy is already having serious heart issues, but he still, he didn't want to disappoint the fans. He wanted to come to the, the big convention in Las Vegas and be able to ha- let people come up to him and meet him and talk to him. And he was just, he was not in good shape, but he still was so incredibly sweet, so incredibly nice to every. He didn't want to, he didn't let on at all that he wasn't feeling well. You never would have known wow. And, yeah, really, it was amazing. And another thing he did, too, where he didn't want to let down his fans, his, when his mother passed away and he came to Atlanta for uh, Treklanta, um, his, his mother had only passed away like two days before he was supposed to go to that convention. Anybody would have understood if he would have canceled and said, hey, my mom just died. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to make it. No, he flew, he got on an airplane, flew out to Atlanta, did the convention, and then flew right back and then did the whole thing with having to, you know, do the funeral for, for his mom. And again, wow. how he did it, I don't know, but he acted so up, so happy, you, you never, and, but he, and he was very close to his mother. He loved his mother very much. Like behind closed doors with me, he was a mess. He was, he was a mess. And so I'm trying to pick up the pieces, and I'm trying to, you know, console them and everything. But then, hey, you know, it's like when it's time to go, and you've got to be sitting there and talking to other people, and every, you know, you never, people never ever knew. They had no idea. Well, Leslie, so, I, I, I'm, I appreciate you sharing all these great stories about Gary Graham, and uh, we're definitely going to miss him for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for for uh, for joining us. You'll always be the meat and potatoes of Trek Talk. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much. I I greatly greatly appreciate you letting me come on and just sort of share some of those you know things. And and the funny funny thing is when you were talking to Greg about hey did you get to save anything? Gary did. They actually were very nice to Gary. They let him save all of his ears from when he was so tall. <laughs> And he would sell them at the convention. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but he had cool. a ton of ears, a whole bunch of ears. <laughs> That's great. Oh, That's God. great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll have to we'll have to get you back on again and do another fan show. Yes, we'll do another wonderful uh, episode about the wonderful world of Star Trek fan films. Star Trek fan films. All right. Thanks a lot, Leslie. <laughs> have a good night. All right. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right, right, guys. Good night. night. This is the part of the show where we usually do our Star Trek birthdays, and uh, we always start off with our Star Trek birthdays. Well, first we got to do this. Ciao, 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 Ciao,
That was not a Klingon song. All right, now we're back on track. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays with, sadly enough, remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, tonight we're remembering four members of our Star Trek community. The first is actor Mark Daniels. Mark Daniels would have had a birthday just January 27th this past week, born Denny Marcus. He was a director of 14 original uh, series episodes, including The Menageries, uh, both of our ones there. He is tied with Joseph Pivney in directing the most number of episodes from the original series. He also wrote an episode of the animated series along the way. And earlier in his career, Daniels directed his first, the, the first 38 episodes of I Love Lucy. So I have to believe that there's a connection between I Love Lucy and Star Trek there. In 1974, he directed a failed plot written by Gene Roddenberry entitled Planet Earth, which we have talked about on this podcast, which of course would have starred people like Diana Moldar. Could have been. Could have been. (laughs) Besides this, during his 41-year career as a television director, Daniels helmed episodes of series like The Man from UNCLE, Gunsmoke, Ben Casey, uh, Mission Impossible, Bonanza, you get it. I mean, all those things from back in the day. He was a man about town, and he had lots and lots of jobs. According to Robert Justman, Mark Daniels was a marvelous talent and a wonderful man, and what a find for Star Trek. So uh sounds like he was a pretty cool guy. We lost him back in 1989. Thank you. Or happy birthday to Mark Daniels. Happy birthday as well to actor Arnold Moss. Uh, Arnold Moss was the actor who played Anton Carradin slash Kodos the Executioner in the TOS first season episode, The Conscience of the King. One of my personal favorite episodes, which also ties greatly into Discovery, Go back in our archives. You can find that show. Uh, Arnold Moss, uh, of course, uh, began his career on Broadway in 1930 and and continued to perform plays there until the 50s. Uh, In the 40s, he actually added television to his career. He co-starred in things like Border Incident uh, with Ricardo Montalban along the way, and he was in the 1950 MGM film Kim. Uh, he was a prolific guest actor in a ton of stuff. Go look him up. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we lost him back in 1989. He would have had a birthday January 28th. Arnold Moss, happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to David Opadishu. Uh We lost back in 1996. Uh, he was the actor who played Anon Seven in the TOS first season episode, A Taste of Armageddon classic episode. In 1964, Apatashu was considered by Gene Roddenberry for the role of Dr. Phil Boyce in The Cage. Yeah, it could have been him. He was cast for an unspecified role in TNG, but fell ill, and uh, and the part was recast to somebody else. So I we don't even know what part that was, but we could have had him in uh, TNG, but we didn't. He enjoyed a career that spanned over five decades, almost 100 television guest appearances, and 45 movies along the way. He knew Yiddish, often played Jewish or Arabic characters uh, due to his visage and the languages he knew. Prior to his Trek appearance, he co-starred with uh, James Doohan. I know you guys know who that is, Mr. Scotty himself, in an episode of Twilight Zone called Valley of the Shadow. Happy birthday to David Opatashu. And uh, last but certainly not least, 
happy birthday to Gene Simmons. No, Jim, not that one. We're talking about Jean Marilyn Simmons. She was the British actress who played the retired Rear Admiral Nora Satie in the Next Generation Four season episode, The Drumhead, probably, uh, well, I, nobody would argue one of the top five episodes of TNG I think uh, along the way, amazing. She, of course, was born in London, but became a U.S. citizen back in 1956. And over the course of her career, she received, uh, I'm just about to go on a a big litany of things here, two Academy Award nominations, two Emmy Award nominations, uh, one of which she won, two Golden Globes, five Golden Globe nominations, and two BAFTA Award nominations among several other accolades. She received nominations from the BAFTA and Golden Globes for her performances as Sister Sharon Falconer in the 1960 film Elmer Gantry. She was also well-known for her role as Verinia in the acclaimed Academy Award-winning epic Spartacus, which if you haven't seen Sparty, you got to see Spartacus, man. She's amazing. In the 1980s, Simmons uh, appeared primarily in television production. She won an Emmy Award and received a Golden Globe nomination for her portrayal of Fiona Fee Cleary in ABC's acclaimed miniseries, The Thorn Birds, which is kind of funny because I think that was probably a little old for me as a kid, but somehow I watched it. So there you go. (laughs) Simmons later guest stars as Clarissa Main in the miniseries North and South, which was also an absolute classic from 1985. In 91, she starred in the short-lived NBC reimagining of Dark Shadows. And in her latter years, she lent her voice to foreign animated films, uh, including the English version of the 2005 Japanese film, Howl's Moving Castle, which, of course, if you're a Miyazaki fan, you will know exactly what that is. Simmons was remembered in the uh, In Memoriam section of the 82nd Annual Academy Awards and the 62nd Annual Emmy Awards back in 2010 when we lost her. Happy birthday and lots of love going out to Admiral Satie herself. An evil admiral, yes, but probably my favorite evil admiral, <laughs> Jean Marilyn Simmons. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Uh, and Charles, I'm going to pass that birthday candle to you, brother. And Charles, Charles? might be muted. Ah, thank you, There Eric. we go. And i got to hit the mute button. Okay, let's start off the happy birthday to Catherine Lee Scott, who played Nura in the Star Trek Next Generation third season episode, Who Watches the Watchers? Very good episode. Happy birthday to Susan Thompson, actress who played four characters in the Star Trek universe. Most notably, that of the Borg Queen, the Star Trek Voyager's episodes, Dark Frontier, and Unimatrix Zero Parts 1 and 2. She also played two characters in Star Trek Next Generation and played Lorraine Khan in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's fourth season episode, Rejoin. Happy birthday to Caitlin Brown, actress, agent, musician, and filmmaker who played Ty Tejada in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's first season episode, The Passenger, and Vicor in Star Trek Next Generation's seventh season episode, The Gambits Part 1 and 2. Happy birthday to Floyd Weaver from Diamond Bar, California. As a former boxer and actor who played together with his triplet brother Lloyd and Troy 
as the marzipan triplet cones in Star Trek Next Generation second season episode Up the Long Ladder. Happy birthday to Diane Sangler, who played La Penta in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, third, third and fifth season episode, Shakar and the Darkness and the Light. Happy birthday, Ariel Winters, actress who voiced the Erica Tendi in Star Trek Lower Deck, fourth season episode, Something Borrowed, Something Green, and Old Friends, New Planets. I wonder if we'll get to see more of the Erica again. Funny, a good one for Eric and I. Happy birthday to Delphine Ashbrook, who played Melora Palzar in Deep Space Nine, second season episode, Melora. is also well-known as playing Grace Holloway mm-hmm. as the eighth Doctor's companion in the 1996 movie. I haven't Absolutely. seen the movie yet, but I'd love to see it. I went back and watched it. Good Excellent. stuff. So, Paul, so Paul is on your list. Paul is muted. Paul is unmuting right now as we speak. Three, two, one, go. Take no. it away, Paul. <laughs> no. Paul, come on, buddy. <laughs> Killing me. Oh, no. Killing me. <laughs> Is she not there? Uh-oh. Well, maybe we're going to get the most network. Well, Eric, you want to do some living people? I, I would love back? to do some living people. If if uh, Paul comes back, I will uh, I will absolutely allow him to uh, take back over. But yeah, we're also saying happy birthday to Tracy Middendorf, actress who played Tora Zial in the Deep Space Nine four-season episode for The Cause. Tora Zial, of course, we're talking about Goldicott's Bajoran, half-Bajoran daughter. Uh, there's some deep stuff going on in that whole plotline, man. So uh, go check her out. Tracy Middendorf, thank you so much for contributing to Star Trek in the ways that you do. Uh, happy birthday as well to Sienna Batten, actress and dancer who played Tora Zial in the Deep Space Nine four-season episodes. Indiscretion and return to grace. You're probably thinking, Eric, didn't you just say that? No, I am not kidding. Both actresses who played Tora Zial have birthdays in the same week. Isn't that crazy? I love it. She also played Irinia in the Star Trek Voyager 7 season episode Drive and Navarre, the uh, Orion slave woman, in the Star Trek Enterprise 4 season episode Bound. And I have to tell you, Orion slave women in Enterprise... Uh, probably end up in one of Jim's posts on TrekTalking.com. So, Sienna Patton, <laughs> thank you for your contributions. <laughs> uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to James Cromwell. He's the veteran actor who has made several appearances in the Star Trek franchise, probably best known to Trek fans as his portrayal of Zephram Cochran in First Contact. And I know you all know that because that's the best one. Uh, I'm not wrong. James Cromwell, amazing Zephram Cochran. Totally different Zephram Cochran from the one we get in TOS, right? Like, that guy seems kind of like a space guy. The one one we get in First Contact is like a cowboy. So thank you for that, James Cromwell. Happy birthday as well to Patton Oswalt, actor, comedian, and voice actor who voiced Spot 73 in the Picard second season episode, Penance. 
Happy birthday as well to Billy McClellan, the Canadian actor who portrayed Barlow in the Star Trek Discovery first season episode, Vaulting Ambition. I like Star Trek Discovery first season. Uh, I mean, I think it really found its jam in seasons three and four personally, but the first season, man, it sets the stage. So thanks, Billy McClellan, for your contributions to Star Trek. Happy birthday as well to Daryl Henriquist who played Portal 63 in the TNG first season episode, The Last Outpost. We all know that one for those weird Ferengi, right? <laughs> and Ambassador Nankless, perhaps one of my favorite Romulans in Star Trek VI, uh, The Undiscovered Country. If you don't know Nankless's card in Star Trek uh, Attack Wing, and I, you know, I, we always love to bring up obscure game references on the podcast here, he is one of the best cards in all of Star Trek Attack Wing. Go look him up. Go look him up. I'll wait. No, I won't. But happy birthday, Daryl. <laughs> and a happy birthday as well to Paul Shear, the American actor, comedian, writer, producer, director, and podcaster who portrays Andy Billups on Lower Decks. Guys, is there a person on this podcast who does not love Billups? I mean, he is something else. He's just like his attitude, his mustache, his like weird family situation. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Shear, for bringing, like, weirdness and obscurity and, like, adult but non-adult themes. I don't know. Uh, Billups is cool. Thank you so much. Happy birthday to you. And last but not least on Paul's list due to technical difficulties is Jillian Vigman. She, of course, is the American comic actress who portrays Ta'ana. Uh, probably – is it – am I – I'm trying to see if this is too much of a reach, but she might be my new favorite doctor, guys. I mean, before now, it was actually the doctor from Voyager because I love his snarkiness and I love his kind of like oh, gross. But man, oh, are we got Paul back? Oh. Paul. All I know is Dr. Ta'ana is one sweet pussy. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a sweet little kitty cat and who couldn't love her? Oh boy! Hey, Mark went from Did rated PG thirteen to R. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. Please forgive the adults in the room. I'm so sorry. But sorry for technical problems, there, gentlemen. Uh, don't know what happened with these uh, cheap pieces of technology. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Thanks, because, Eric. Because you, uh, you know what? You can take. You can't take my Klingons, but you can take the first two on my list. How's that? Oh, sweet. Thank you, Jim. You're very kind. You're very, very kind. Um, first of all, let's say happy birthday to a unique individual in the world of show business. And we're talking about a guy named Deep Roy. If you know who Deep Roy is, you, you know. And if you don't know, you should know because you've seen him in a ton of different things. Um, we're acknowledging him in the Star Trek universe because Deep Roy is an actor and stuntman who, among his many, many credits, has played the role of Keenzer in the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek Beyond, and Star Trek. In the Doctor Who serial The Talons of Wing Chang, uh, he played Mr. Sin, uh, for you Doctor Who fans out there, and he also, oh, this takes me back. <laughs> this takes me back. He played Princess Aura's pet Fellini in the 1980 Flash Gordon movie that we were talking about very, very recently on the show. So really awesome stuff there. Deep Roy continues to work a ton. And uh, is uh, check out his IMDb page. He is ubiquitous. He's all over the place. Does a ton of work. 
I'd like to also wish a very, very uh, joyous happy birthday to the great Tamlin Tomita, a Japanese-American actress who played uh, Commodore O in the first season of uh, Star Trek Picard and uh, also Kamiko in Karate Kid Part 2, a role she later revived in the franchise and spinoff Cobra Kai. And you know what? I would happily keep talking except Jim has some kind of crazy – embargo thing with Klingons. It's like some kind of weird, you know, you Just when you ownership. join the podcast, man, you just accept it as part of the show. Well, see, I always just, thought that things that, you, things that feel weird, you should not accept, that you should push back on. So, you know, it's just, <laughs> that's kind of how I get through life. I, I, I do not put up with a lot that seems unfair to me. I push back and then I change it. So, like, you know, when you have, you know, long segments, you know, maybe abbreviating them or whatever, but, you know, it's not my place to speak. It's not my place to speak yet, but it will be. So instead, I will pass my rather messy, uh, uh, some for some strange reason, lubricated culvert batleth over to Jim. Whoa, I don't whoa, know whoa, why whoa, it's covered whoa, in lube. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I got to tell you. Uncle Jim, would you uh, explain what's going on with this batleth? Why is it like this? <laughs> uh, please. Back we need your Roy. explanation for context. Context uh, is for King. Deep, uh, Deep Roy played the Oompa Loompas in the Willy Wonka movie with Johnny Depp. He played all the Oompa Loompas, by the way. Yeah. And Paul's right. You've seen Deep Roy. You just don't know you've seen him. If you're a fan of the X-Files, Deep Roy was the little, the little dude that, that had no legs that was cleansing himself with cotton. He would, he would eat a whole roll of cotton. It would go in his mouth, and he would lost his innards by pulling it out of another orifice on his body. That was Deep Roy. Mm-hmm. Love those X-Files. He has been in a ton of stuff, though. And it's kind of amazing to, like, he's got a cool story, too. I'm not going to go into it, but, like, go back to his story and see. I mean, he's got, he's got like, Yoda in his background. I mean, this is all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. You, 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 Paul's right. You might think you don't know Deep Roy. But chances are that you do. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled programming already in progress. Okay, well, we want to say kapla to Chad Haywood, who portrayed Kata in the Star Trek Voyager third season episode, Real Life. Yes, he was a Klingon. We also want to say kapla Christine Rose, who played Jural in the Star Trek The Next Generation sixth season episode. Birthright Part 1 and Birthright Part 2. She is the one that mated with the Romulan. Go mm-hmm. figure, huh? And uh, had the daughter, Grilka, who Grilka. War fell in love with her, but couldn't handle that she had pointed ears because she was a Romulan Klingon. Bad War's war. the racist. Prove me wrong. Bad, bad, bad war. But that was a great episode and a great character. And last, but definitely not least on my list, we want to say a hearty kapla to Susan Howard. And what makes Susan Howard so special? Well, she's an American actress who played Mara on the Star Trek, the original series, third season episode, Day of the Dove. And why is that so special? First female Klingon to appear on screen in Star Trek. so Right, but Jim, that's what, what you call the shoe polish Klingons, right? 
Yes, those are the shoe polish. She didn't have the little sand, the little handlebar mustache, but she did have shoe polish on her face. So, happy birthday to Susan Howard. And that wraps up our birthdays, guys. And now it's time for Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Okay. We're going to start off our Star Trek news segment with a story that Eric is about to share with us. Yeah, uh, like this is a serious red alert because we have been hearing about this forever and ever and ever and ever. And you guys, I didn't believe a word of it. I really didn't just now. Star Trek Section 31 confirms the start of production. Are you kidding me? Production is officially underway now in the original movie event, Star Trek Section 31 in Toronto, with the first image shared of Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh on the set of production. In Star Trek Section 31, Emperor Philippa Giorgio, the fan-favorite character Yeoh first introduced in Star Trek Discovery, joins a secret division of Star Trek. Tasked with protecting the United Federation of Planets, she also must face the sins of her past. In addition to Yo, the cast of the CBS Studios production includes Omari Hardwick as Powers, Casey Roll as Hannibal, Emmy Award winner Sam Richardson from Ted Lasso, Sven Roy Grok from One Piece, Robert Kaczynski, we've seen in Pacific Rim, Humberly Gonzalez from Ginny and Giorgio, and James Hiroki Lau from Barry. Executive producer Alex Kurtzman enthusiastically states, and we're off to the races. Thrilled to report principal photography has started on Star Trek Section 31. We welcome our incredible cast of new characters as they join our beloved Michelle Yeoh on her next wild adventure across the Star Trek universe. Quote, Yo shared, I'm beyond thrilled to return to my Star Trek family and to the role I've loved for so long. Section 31 has been near and dear to my heart since I began the journey of playing Philippa all the way back when this new golden age of Star Trek launched. To see her finally get her moment is a dream come true in a year that's shown me the incredible power of never giving up on your dreams. No kidding, man. She is rocking it right now. We can't wait to share what's in store for you. And until then, live long and prosper. Unless Emperor Jojo decrees otherwise, Star Trek Section 31 will be available to stream exclusively on Paramount Plus in the U.S. and in all international markets where the service is available. The movie is distributed by Paramount Global Content Distribution. And I'll just say, guys, uh, I am personally glad that they pivoted this puppy from a series to a movie. I feel like Section 31 is a very interesting concept. I think there are some super cool complexities that can be explored in a 21st century context that I think Star Trek's Discovery World is the right place to do that. Um, but I don't think I want to see a whole season of uh, Section 31, so I'm all about this movie. What do you guys think? Oh, well, man. Michelle Yo. Come on, when she kicked Lorca in the face and he was behind her, 
what, what I mean, she's you know, and, you know, it's just like, it's all a question of vision, man. It's just like, I mean, too often it's just like, you know, it's like understand like what your prospects are, right? It's like, it's an unknown quantity, right? Will, I mean, I'm kind of with Eric. So I don't think necessarily that people want to see like uh, 10 to 12 episodes of Section 31, right? Unless it's a really exciting uh you know, premise beyond just the the nut of a, a covert arm of Starfleet, right? What's the story? What's yeah. the arc of the show, right. right? But if it does well, you just do a second movie, you know, and basically treat it like every year you do another movie, right? If you can get the cast together, right? I mean, I'm sure they have that contractually both in there, right? And if it's really successful, then you do a series. But this is a testing the waters thing. It's smart. Well, and it's interesting, Paul, because I think the whole character of Emperor Giorgio is one of the most interesting characters from Star Trek Discovery because I think if you really dig into her, she commits genocide, right? Like that is her thing, and she gets that whole redemption arc in Star Trek Discovery, but it kind of feels like it's never really resolved because there's this Section 31 like she she's allowed in Star Trek Discovery to still exercise her dark side. So I feel like a movie is the right place to kind of say like okay, what is our final statement about Emperor Giorgio? Like we've we've explored her as an evil character. We've explored her as a potential benevolent character who, you know, loves Michael Burnham and stuff and might have some redeeming qualities. I still think she committed genocide, so I have a hard time getting past that. <laughs> but in the movie, maybe we can, you know, bring her to some sort of actual character resolution. Um, so yeah, I dude, hope... and, and why not make her a battery, right? Okay, have her yeah. have a positive and a negative side, right? When yep. she, they have the character be on a, 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 an arc where she's on a quest for redemption to try to find morality, but when needed to be at the best of Section 31, she can be a badass assassin, you know, Valkyrie killer. Right, and those yeah. two dualities are always fighting each other inside of her. Which part of the, which wolf do you feed the most? Right, that's a really interesting concept for a character. So I'm hoping that they keep that dark side with her, and you know, let it off the chain every now and then. I think it'd be really, really cool. Absolutely. Well, I can understand that could be a thing if they put the timeline of the Section 31 close to where Discovery took off because or ended, because then that dark side would still be there. But if it's like if they do some sort of time travel show, you know, or maybe somehow 10 years later or whatnot, I could imagine that evil side being a little not so much, but I don't know. Well, I'm hoping, David, what they do is they, like, the when you look at Section 31 as a con, not to belabor this too much, but like Section, where we may, by the way, in the future do a Section 31 show or sort of like bouncing that idea around but like when you look at section 31 as a concept we get introduced to it in ds9 but it really kind of gets flushed out in enterprise so Mm -hmm. i'm really interested in enterprise slash discovery connections because i feel like enterprise is like that child that people try not to pay attention to but that they all know is there who has some really good merits but they're just like yeah but he's kind of ugly and i hate his theme song no no embrace (laughs) him Embrace it. <laughs> Star Trek and Enterprise is amazing, right, Jim? Oh, absolutely. I will not forget, guys, that Carl kind of tested her morality and passed her and sent her somewhere. We don't know where he sent her. Oh, you're breaking up there. Where she was. 
Or yeah, you're at the bottom of a well, Jim. We got to get your audio better here. We can't hear you. Yeah, but hopefully, we, we don't, hopefully, yeah. we don't know where she went. So, Paul, you've got our next story, buddy. All right, man. Let me rock and roll. Let's get it done. So this is all about the upcoming um, Saturn Awards um, that could be happening in Los Angeles this coming Sunday because, friends, the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation is going to receive a special Lifetime Achievement Saturn Award. Um, it's the 51st Annual Saturn Awards in Los Angeles Sunday. Uh, now, for the uh, 2024 awards this year, they're doing something a little different uh, for the Next Generation cast with this award, and the Academy is here to explain it all to you. The Lifetime Achievement Award is usually presented to an individual for their contributions to genre entertainment. Now, top luminaries like Stan Lee and Leonard Nimoy and Mr. Spock himself received this top honor. So it's not new, but we decided to extend this award to cover the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation due to its continued influence on the face of general television. It was originally doomed to failure since it was following in the footsteps of the original Star Trek, yet it carved its own identity and its diverse cast was light years ahead of its time. Star Trek The Next Generation launched a syndicated drama series in 1987, running for seven seasons. TNG was nominated six times by the Saturn Awards for Best Genre Series, winning twice. Patrick Stewart also won for Best Actor in 1990. This series is also nominated for, oh my God, 58 Emmys during its run, winning 18 times. It's a huge, huge track record. The Saturn Lifetime Achievement Award will be presented to the Next Generation cast by producer and Marvel Studios honcho Kevin Feige, who is an avowed Star Trek fan. On hand to accept the award will be Sir Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, and Will Wheaton. In addition to the special award, Star Trek is set to take home more gold at this weekend's Saturn Awards. And here is a complete list of the seven different categories where Star Trek is nominated. We have, under Best Science Fiction Television Series, both Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, yeah, I think you got this, you two. Best Animated Television Series is special, Star Trek Lower Decks. Best actor, best actor in a television series, Anson Mount for Strange New Worlds is up against Patrick Stewart for Star Trek Picard. Whoop, whoop. Supporting actor in a television series, Jonathan Frakes for Star Trek Picard. Ethan Peck for Strange New Worlds. Ed Spaliers for Star Trek Picard. And Todd Stashwick, <laughs> fan <laughs> no. favorite, for Star oh, Trek Picard. Todd. So Todd's got a lot oh. of fans. <laughs> Okay, guys, you place, your, place your votes. <laughs> I love we'll you guys. see what happens. I, I, think, um, uh, I think Ethan Peck's probably got this in the bag. Supporting yeah. actress in the television series, we've got the delectable Jess Bush uh, for Strange New Worlds, the absolutely multi-talented Celia Rose Gooding for Strange New Worlds, and Luminary and Star Trek royalty herself, Jerry Ryan for Star Trek Picard. Picard. Best guest star in a television series, the always restrained Amanda Plummer for Star Trek Picard, and Paul Wesley for Star Trek Strange New Worlds as young James Kirk, who is starting to finally make that character his own, which is really, really cool. Best 4K home media release, Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition 4K. Absolutely fantastic release. (laughs) <laughs> and a reminder to our good friends over there at Paramount Home Entertainment, if you're listening, Paramount Home Entertainment, what a great job you did on 
uh, season three of uh, Picard, which is getting all these uh, nominations and all of this attention, don't you think it's finally time to go ahead and release that in 4K the way it should be? I mean, Blu-ray is great, but dude, you've got everything else. You've got the crown jewels here. Don't hold back on the best season of Picard ever that has legacy tiebacks to next gen. That is a Absolutely stupefying faux pas, and please correct it. We are standing by with our wallets waiting to serve you. I would David, totally watch it. Tell me something about <laughs> Jerry Ryan I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and David, let's well, hear all about Jerry Ryan and Terry Madeline. Oh, am I doing the next one? Yeah, do it. Rock and roll, dude. That's all right, let's see. Uh, Jerry Ryan and Terry Metalis win the Astra TV Award for Star Trek Picard. <gasps> Hollywood Creative Alliance held the uh, third annual Astra TV Award, formerly called the HCA Awards, in Los Angeles. <clears throat> Star Trek entered the evening with seven nominations for Star Trek Picard and one for Lower Decks. In the end, Picard took home two awards. Jerry Ryan won the be- uh, one for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Streaming Series for her role as Seven of Nine in Picard. Terry Metalis picked up the award for Best Writing in the Streaming Drama Series for the Picard Season, uh, sorry, Picard Season 3 finale, uh, The Last Generation. Metalis was also nominated for Best Directing, but lost out uh, to Nelson Craig, The Boys. <clears throat> Picard was nominated for Best Streaming Drama Series, but also lost out to The Boys. Sir Patrick Stewart lost out for Best Actor to Anthony Starr from The Boys, and Brent Spiner lost out for the Best Supporting Actor to Jensen Ackles from The Boys. Uh, finally, from Picard, Michelle Forbes was a nominated oh, yeah. Best Guest Actress in the drama series, but she lost out to Regina Taylor, CSI Vegas. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for Best Streaming Animation Series, Animated Series for or TV Movie, but the award went to Attack on Titan. Jack Quaid who played Boimler from Lower Decks, was at the event as a nominee for The Boys at, as Best Actor in the Streaming Drama Series. <clears throat> the card was nominated for two makeup awards, but lost out to And the Last of Us. You know, guys, going on there, the so, yeah, it uh, seems to be getting a lot of attention. I don't know if – I haven't seen the show. I read the comic. I don't know if you guys have seen the show. Is the show pretty oh, good? I, or? I, I watch it. I kind of I like, I like it. Uh, okay. So uh, <laughs> I, we're kind of out of time here, but there's one story I want to squeeze in because it's relevant to today. Uh, Star Trek III's John Larroquette plays a Klingon again for Night Court. The 1984 film, Star Trek III, The Circle, Played Moss on Star Trek uh, Three: uh, The Search for Spock with Christopher Lloyd, the main antagonist of the film. In 2023, NBC brought back Night Court with Larroquette reprising his role as Dan Fielding. It's now in its second season. Tuesday's episode—that's right, two days ago. Tuesday's episode 
is titled Wrath of Comic-Con. Yeah. Not 82 Star Trek Two Wrath of Khan. In the Comic-Con episode, Lara Ketch dressed up as a Klingon. Lara Ketch Moss was the only member of Krug's Bird of Prey to survive. After killing Krug, Kirk tricked Moss into beaming him up, which allowed the Starfleet crew to commandeer the Klingon ship and rename it HMS Bounty. In the 1989 episode, Larroquette said he was hoping to play Moss again. I just kept telling the Kirk actor, Bill Shatner, since I was the one surviving Klingon, I smell a spinoff. I could take this to a series. Moss starts off as a little, little hot dog stand and Yaka 3 out there in the doofus galaxy. 35 years later, he finally gets to play the Klingon again. This isn't the first time Mike Court has dabbled in the Star Trek references. The 1989 six-season episode, Yet Another Day in a Life, featured some Trekkies brought in after fighting in a Star Trek convention. Mm-hmm. Began as Data on Star Trek The Next Generation, Brent Spiner had a recurring role on Mike Court as the sad sack character Bob Wheeler. He appeared in a total of six episodes. And that, my friends, wraps up our podcast for tonight. I want dun, to take dun, a moment. Dun. Da, 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 da. We made it. Thank you so much <laughs> to uh, Greg Sargent for sharing some stories with us about his time on Enterprise. And thank you so much to our very own Such Paul. Such a great guest. He was awesome. He was absolutely he a delight. Was, he was great. And thank you so much to Paul for hanging and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. It's my pleasure, man. Apologies for the audio problems and, and tech and whatnot. But we got through it, so it was good. And, uh, and it was fun to get a little, uh, a little crazy tonight. We made it. And thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us as well. Thank you, Eric. Oh, man, that was so much fun. And Dorians are awesome. <laughs> they have little motors in their antenna. That was I know. Cool. I love that. I love that Like he told us that story about them causing headaches because of the motors in his antenna. Like That was fascinating. I wonder if that's why the antenna on the Discovery ones don't move because they were causing headaches. Well, and it it certainly tells us why most Andorians are so freaking angry, right? (laughs) I I wonder if that's why Rin doesn't have any uh, antenna because of the motors. (laughs) Do away with the motors. Jim, Jim, I got got a suggestion. Um, You've been really getting some great – great guests on the show. I mean, a lot. We've had such a great thing. Let's get Jeffrey Combs on. Now we're talking. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and we could we could take take uh, Eric's enthusiasm for Enterprise and Andorians. Oh my god. And let's 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 figure out a way to make a uh, a Shran centric show and there I think it go. would be gold. It would be gold. Let's get it. I'm I'm going to let the I'm going to let the toothpaste out of the tube here. We're putting it back once once it comes out. But <laughs> tell you secret. keep it to yourselves, okay? Don't tell anybody. But it's top secret. I'm working on getting Melissa Navia. I fly the ship on the podcast. Ooh, baby. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, that'd be great. That would be amazing. Don't, don't, don't tell anyone, okay? All right. But Submit your questions work. in advance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to say it'll, thank It'll be a timed time. agenda. <laughs> Thank you to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you, Jim, for a wonderful gift. I love when our Trek our 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 guests have so many stories and are Trekkies too. 
the Michael Jackson story was just like, wow. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah I'm glad I brought that one up. Huh? Wow. That's that impressive. impressive. Who would have thought Michael Jackson would have been on Trek Talking? Really? I mean, that was that was awesome. And, of course, thank you so much to our very own donut guy, David, for hanging out and Trek Talking with us. Slash ninja approach. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to Leslie for calling in and sharing some stories about Gary Graham. Thank yeah, you so much, thank Leslie. Thank you, Leslie. I am your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Good night, all. Night, all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello. You have reached the Q Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call, and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.